Good evening, everyone. We've had a great day at St. Saviour's. We've had altogether eight of our 20 mission partners um, with us during the day, uh, taking part in various services and uh, having an opportunity to meet people from the congregation this afternoon. It's been a great time. I'd like to, before we hear from them, I'd like to just provide a little bit of a, a framework for, um, for, for listening to them, to them well. Our Bible passage this evening um, is about the theme of uh, mission in the sense that it's about uh, the, how the disciples of Jesus, their job description is to be involved in God's harvest. We often read this story incompletely. Uh, often we stop reading at the end of the chapter and the chapter divisions are of no relevance in the ordinary in the original Greek text at all. And so we read this account of Jesus' ministry of compassion and how he concludes it by saying God needs workers to come into his uh, harvest field and then we stop. And then on another Sunday we'll start reading again and the next section is about the disciples and uh, their, how they were chosen and their names and, and so on. But this evening, we read it through as it was originally written, and it gives a different meaning, really, a different sense altogether. Jesus says, uh, it describes Jesus as going about um, healing, preaching and teaching and healing, and it talks about the attitude of his heart, that he has compassion on everyone around him. He has compassion because they are harassed and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd. Powerful phrases, aren't they? Uh, powerful phrases that described the people that Jesus was uh, living with and, and ministering to. And, and powerful descriptions, too, of the people who surround us day by day. Harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus says, just look at it. It's a harvest. It's a harvest ready to be gathered in. The time is now. We're not waiting for the harvest. The time is now. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask God himself to send workers into his harvest. And the next verse says that he takes his disciples and instructs them to go out and do exactly the same. To preach, to heal, to uh, restore people. What this means, you see, is that to be a disciple is to be called to be a harvest worker. The job description of a disciple is to be a harvest worker. And so mission, in this sense, that uh, mission is God calling us into everything in the world which is his purpose, that's our DNA, that's our job description, it's what we're about, it is what it is to be a disciple. You cannot be a disciple unless you are also involved in God's harvest field. We'll come back to that at the end of the service. At St. Saviour's, we try to take this stuff seriously and we try to understand ourselves as a, as a community that exists for, for mission, for evangelism and for mission, for reaching out to a world that we may feel is harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Your mission group uh, and uh, myself and Mike Norris 
um, have been working for the best part of two years on how can we think about this mission task that we have as a church. And we've reached a point of recognizing, we think, five things that are really uh, priorities, really strategic for us as a church if we're to be truly missional. The first is really a surprising one. It's what we call listening. And you may have heard me speak about it before. Now, listening could be a very vague, could be a very imprecise word. We're, we're talking about it in a very particular way. We think this is a very unusual and special church. We think it is unusual in this way, that it is positioned between our two great national airports, it's close to London, and an extraordinary proportion of the community that gather here have, in one way or another, international and global connections, people who work around the world, whose businesses have connections around the world. Many of our people live here uh, because of those connections. And those of us who perhaps don't uh, have those connections ourselves know that we live in that context. This is a church that has a responsibility to be aware, alert, and responsive on a global level. So listening, we believe, is something this church ought to be doing in an intentional and purposeful way. We need to be listening to the world because it's changing rapidly and it's changing with extraordinary speed. Just think of how the migration and the refugee issue over the past year to two years has radically altered the way we think about Europe, about the Middle East and about the, uh, and about the future. We live in a rapidly changing world and we need to be listening to it we be, need to be listening to the world church and how it is responding to the, the needs in our world. And we need, in those ways, to be listening to God. So listening is uh, a very precise and a, and a very uh, intentional part of our mission calling. The second is the one that we are uh, focusing on today, and that is our mission partners. For many years... St. Saviour's has found that God has stirred up people in our midst with a special calling to leave us and to cross frontiers, to cross cultural frontiers, to cross uh, linguistic frontiers, and to be involved in God's mission in places across the world. It's been happening for decades. And at any given moment, we have about 20 people uh, from St. Saviour's who are working in that kind of way around the world and whom we support financially and in prayer because we have acknowledged God's call on their lives. We don't do it randomly or carelessly, we do it thoughtfully um, and we commission and accept people to be uh, mission partners of ours in God's work around the world. And today we've been celebrating that circle of people and listening to some of them. The third element is one we are working on actively and we wish as a church not just to have connections around the world but to have friendships that are really mutual, really about partnership, really about sharing and learning. And so we are working on uh, two mission friendships that will have that character um, and probably next term we'll be introducing them to you. The fourth and fifth are both about local mission. Um, we have many partnerships in the town for local mission, and many of you 
and many of uh, the St. Saviour's different congregations are involved in those ministries. Uh, we have our individual uh, commitments. People are involved in schools, uh, school governors, and uh, people are involved in charities, in voluntary agencies, and so on. Um, we also work closely with the Street Angels and the Towns Interchaplaincy, with the YMCA, Christians Against Poverty, and, and so on. And as a church, we deeply believe that we need to be integrated into the life of our town uh, like salt and light for the sake of the kingdom uh, and for the sake of our community. And the last one is one which is emerging in our life. Uh, we believe as a church that we should be multiplying. We believe that we should be uh, giving our life away. We should be willing to resource other churches, plant new congregations, plant new fellowships uh, of, of witness in our world. We haven't, uh, we've been for many years involved in resourcing and helping other churches, but we're working on how to develop that in a more positive way. I'd like you to really hold on to those five things. I, I think it's important that as we revisit it, that as a church, we, we can say these are the five things that we are about as a church uh, in mission. So now we're exploring one of those strands more deeply. This evening we're um, listening to our mission partners and seeing what we can learn from them. And I'm going to ask, uh, I was going to say Roxy and Eddie, but last time Eddie came up and then sat down again. So, um, but we'll, we'll give them both a round of applause and we'll ask Roxy to come and join us. Roxy and Eddie have been our mission partners for how many years? I've lost count. Lost count, how many years? <laughs> Since we were both a lot younger. <laughs> right, Roxy, share Thank with you. us what you would like to, to bring to us. Okay. Okay, so my name is Roxy, as, as Andy's just said, and Eddie, my husband, and I are based in South Yorkshire. Um, we have a cross cultural ministry which is aimed at making a home safe for women and finding family for believers from Muslim backgrounds. And I was part of St. Saviour's from about 2001. Um, for about 10 to 12 years, um, this was my family, this was my home church, and that's where really the relationship, I think, started. Um, so I want to speak to you about two things this evening and I want you to think about two things. The first one is home. When you think about that word, home, what, what does that look like for you in your mind's eye? What, what are you imagining? How does it feel for you? For most of us, home is a safe place. It's where we rest and we have time with our family and friends we enjoy that time um, at home for most of us. But for one in four women in the UK, the home has become a place where they are abused at some point in their lives. That's one in four women. And this is why we set up this project called Dwell, a project to prevent domestic violence from happening, to raise awareness about it in Christian and Muslim communities around the UK. Um, so we travel around the country talking and raising awareness about domestic violence. And I just want you to see this video 
just for a couple of minutes to give you more information about that. We live in fear of violence at the hands of men who say they love us. We are hurt, abused, violated and even killed in our own homes. The Dwell Project will not be silent about the violence against women that we see and hear about every day. Our aim is to prevent domestic violence. We pray for relationships between men and women that are loving and healthy where power is shared. We pray for homes that are loving and safe for all women. Often our faith is used as an excuse for our oppression. We are isolated, cut off and alone. At the Dwell Project, we can influence change by encouraging men to stand against domestic violence. Together, men and women can influence change. We run violence prevention workshops, social media campaigns and encourage partnerships between Christian and Muslim men and women. Together, we are speaking out. When our control is taken from us, we don't just lose our freedom, we lose our identity too. We can't be silent about domestic violence. We choose to speak out and stand because every woman has a right to truly live free of violence and the fear of violence. You can help by joining our online campaigns, booking a Dwell workshop and partnering with us. Let's stand against domestic violence and speak out for loving relationships. Together, we are empowering men and women to be free. The Dwell Project restores hope of homes that are safe, of men and women standing together, dwelling in freedom. Psalm 84 um, has really inspired our vision of what a home should be like for all women and men. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So we set Dwell Up three years ago to prevent domestic violence based on those words, that vision of home, a safe place, and also because of our own experiences of domestic violence. In our, in our, for myself as a child growing up and for Eddie in his home as well. So those are the things and the reasons why we set Dwell Up, but we want to prevent domestic violence. The second word I want you to think about this evening is family. Who is family to you? When you think about God's family, the Bible talks about God's family. Who is God's family to you? Psalm 84 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed are those who are in God's family, together in God's family. Today in Britain, growing numbers of people are 
coming to know Jesus from Muslim backgrounds. They want to join our community, the God's family. They want to join Christ's community. Whether that's in British churches like this one or in same background fellowships. And this is the time we need to learn how to support them, how to disciple and bring them up in the faith as believers in Jesus. They are your family and my family, and I'm one of those people. And uh, St. Saviour's has very much been that family for me over the years, a place of healing, a place where people have really supported and looked after me. So it is possible for us to be family to each other, and I'm sure that's what you long for and experience in this place. So we've been involved in developing a course called Joining the Family, a course which seeks to equip churches to disciple believers from Muslim backgrounds. And I want to show you another video that tells you a bit more about that. God is doing something extraordinary in our day, drawing many people of Muslim background to follow Jesus. My aim is to be a good follower of Jesus and to show his glory in my life. But this decision can be very costly, with new believers losing much personally. They could have been disowned, they could have been disinherited, they could also have been displaced. I had to learn completely new lifestyle. Uh, everything was new. Everything that I learned from my childhood, I had to abandon that. We took the risk of losing our family of threats from our family. We need you to support us, to be our family, to love and accept us, and help us to make a new life. This is why it's essential that we as the church be the true family that new believers need. Practically, people, people showed me so much love, so much love, people came to visit. It, it was not just once, not just twice, but it kept going until I was on my feet again. I remember um, a young lady that had spent weeks and weeks and weeks, just you know, every single uh, evening, practically if I wanted, going through um, a discipleship program with me. In the Joining the Family course, you will hear firsthand the joys and struggles of believers of Muslim backgrounds, and you'll learn how you as an individual and your whole church can be the family God is calling you to be to these precious brothers and sisters. How can we uh, start to include them in appropriate fellowship? We've been waiting for a course like this. This is the local church's responsibility to reach and disciple the Muslim background people in, in their parish. Joining the family really is essential. It's, uh, the implications of it uh, will be huge. So as the video shows, there are many people coming to know Jesus and when they do, they often lose their families and um, so they need each one of us to be their family, whether that's to pray for them um, wherever we are, whether we know someone from the Muslim background or not, just to pray for them or it's to be involved in being their family, supporting them and uh, walking alongside them in discipling them. And that's what this course is all about. So 
that's all I wanted to share, but there's a couple of things I'd really like to leave you with to pray for. Please pray for us as we write resources, um, not only the resources for joining the family, um, there's a course and I'm also in the middle of writing a book that will go alongside that course. Please pray for wisdom and guidance in that. And the second thing is for us individually and as churches around the world and around the country to be family, to those who desperately want to be part of God's family, to be family and, and for him to show each one of us how we can do that where we are. Thank you. Thank you, Roxy, very much indeed. Of course, for all of us here, the language, the terms that Roxy's been using about family connect with uh, our own language about being a big family, um, uh, God's family in this place. And, I, and Ro Roxy's presentation reminds us that for that to be real, for that to be authentic, uh, we need to be willing and able to welcome into this family people from other cultural backgrounds, other faith backgrounds, uh, people from all kinds of uh, backgrounds who are discovering faith in Jesus Christ. So it connects with our own journey very, very much. Uh, a little bit later, um, Joe will lead us in prayer for our different mission partners, so we'll <clears throat> just hold that for the moment. I, I'd just like to say, I'd just like to underline, this may well have occurred to you as you were listening to, to Roxy, but I would just like to underline what a a remarkable ministry this is and what uh, courage and faith is, is necessary to carry it forward. I remember a few years ago when uh, Roxy and Eddie came and spoke to Mike Gerke and myself about their hopes and plans in this direction. I just took a very, very deep breath <laughs> and, and said pretty well, do you have any idea what you're getting into? Um, and uh, it just seemed such a, an extraordinary uh, ambition, an extraordinary hope, um, and a few years down the line, we're seeing something remarkable, something that takes enormous courage, something that takes enormous faith, something that is not without real risk. Um, and uh, I ask you to hold our brother and sister in your hearts and in prayer. What they do is really, really important and potentially really, really costly. Um, and they're great people as well. Um, so thank you, Roxy and Eddie. I'm going to ask Claire and Ardell to come and join me now, if you would. And... Last time we spoke, I flaffed around saying all kinds of nonsensical things. Now I'm going to leave it straight, straight for you to get on with it and share with us what you would like. Um, right, that one's probably... There we are. There we go. Hello. Um, so we are Adel and Claire, and we have uh, little ones. We have Emma and Andrew, uh, hopefully sleeping at home. Um, we, uh, about 10 years ago... Uh, made the decision uh, individually to study for a year here at St. Saviour's um, under the leadership of Andy um, and some others. 
Um, and we remember vividly during that time, um, Andy taking us through um, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and both having a very um, strong sense that we were about to embark on an adventure. Um, and not long after that, we found ourselves married um, and living in Egypt. Um, we were working for the Anglican, that's the short story, the uh, Anglican Church uh, in Egypt. And we went out um, with a passion and a desire to see the gospel proclaimed to the poor, to see recovery of sight for the blind, to see captives released and to see um, those that are oppressed freed. Um, and as time went on and as our journey progressed, we came to realize that in order for Christ in us to be those things to the people around us, that we in our own lives would have to know what it meant to be freed, um, to be released. And, and that was a tough, a tough journey and, and is ongoing. Um, but what we would like to say to you today is thank you for being with us for those 10 years, for supporting us and for journeying with us that time. I'm just going to introduce to you the beginning of our last chunk in Egypt, which was our, our second stint there um, and the day that I arrived. Um, the day that I arrived, I was with Babe in Arms, just a few weeks old, and uh, little Emma. Um, and we went out onto the balcony of our new flat in Cairo. Um, and the sky was black, uh, thick black smoke. And we had arrived on a day where there had been a massacre, over 800 people killed just a few streets from our flat. We could hear everything going on. And we turned to each other and we said, what are we doing here? What we are doing here is a question. And uh, we arrived to Egypt uh, three years ago. It was uh, a country going through a revolution. And all the stable, all the stable thing you think it is a stable, it was shaking. And nobody know where we're heading to and what's happening. And this is what the question uh, came to our mind, uh, looking to us as a family and say, what, we, what are we doing here? And uh, mainly was asking God, what you want us to do here? Why, why you brought us here uh, in this time in the life of the country? Lots of time when we decided to go to Egypt in that time, a lot of people even in Egypt, they said, what are you doing? Are you coming to here? The people is fleeing from the country. Are you coming back? And it came to my mind the image of the fight fighters, where the fire happening, everyone fleeing, but the firefighters uh, are going. Sometimes in the mission, you will have this sense. You are the most stupid person in the world. Everyone taking the, the good decision, and you are taking the opposite decision. But we've been there, and uh, we've been looking. And actually, it was a very interesting time. Curfews was happen, so if you meet a friend and you chat with a friend, you have to put alarm because if you engaged in the talking and stuff like that, and the curfew come, one of you cannot reach his house. I remember one of my friends talking with me and then looked to the uh, clock and five minutes for the curfew to start. And he was like turning his car to Formula One and just uh, going to his home. Uh, another thing that was really scary is bombs everywhere. It was explosion every time. And good things about Egyptians, when they know there is a bomb there, they all run to watch. 
not to flee from. So it was uh, a lot of jokes about people uh, having drinks and stuff and watching uh, how they, uh, the bomb is going off or something like that. God came with a, a very uh, clear vision. I want you to work toward Christian missional community. I want uh, to see a community among all this messiness uh, in this country. Community who is built upon the gospel. So the community is a, a Christian community and also it's a missional. And uh, so as you saw some of the picture of the building there, it was a church in East Cairo uh, next to the presidential palace. So it's another uh, uh, funny things to live there because all the demonstration going to the president. So it come towards you. A lot of Sundays we cannot have our service because it's just the demonstration everywhere. Uh, so we start uh, uh, gathering this community. We start preaching the gospel. And the people start feel the sense of community. We have Syrian people. We have Muslim background people. And I will agree, very agree with Roxy when... Uh, Muslim background, especially people come to the gospel, they come to join a family because they leave everything and they come so the, the church to receive Muslim background people is to have a spare room, not only a spare chair in the, in the church. So we were struggling together, we were crying together, we were worshiping together. And the second element is to be Christian. How to be Christian among all these challenges which is happening. And this is, was a main question we asked ourselves many times through when we are around the Bible, studying the Bible together, and when we are worshiping together. A, lo a lot of time we, it comes a question to us, how can I be a Christian among all this messiness? A new re reality happening in the uh, in the country and you a lot of uh, very fundamental question what is the meaning of this life why we are going through all this is any meaning is any God there a lot of people start a movement of atheism happening at the moment in in Egypt because the people give up this religion which bring all this chaos a lot of things like that so we try to look to the Bible and ask all this question and allow the Bible to speak to us. And the third thing is to be a missional. Not, we are not community for ourselves. We are community for others. And as a community, we wanted to be open to other one. Lots of people came to our church. They said, why we came to this church? Because we felt welcomed. We felt, we felt you are open-armed to us. Whether you are a Syrian refugee, Sudanese refugee or Muslim background or whatever. We were, we were a mix international people uh, gathering uh, together. And uh, recently, just before we left, a couple of, uh, of uh, the church came to me and said, uh, Vika, we like uh, God calling us to a mission. I said, where he's calling you? He said, to Arbil in Iraq. I said, well, ISIS is just on the border of Arbil and they want to go to Arbil. Uh, so are you sure of that? And uh, the same uh, feeling come with a lot of wisdom and you have to wait and all these things. But actually they are training now and they want to go to Arbil. This is happening every time when the church speak about mission and when the church decide to join God's mission. But... A very big lesson I learned, we learned it through these three years in Egypt. God is real and the gospel is real. It is real. 
even when the most challenging stuff happening. God is real and the gospel is real. I learned this uh, service is a student, mainly student. And actually this is the time when God will call you for a great things. I, I know, again, mission looks funny and looks uh, taking you to different places, unexpected. But I just want to encourage you not just to share about us, but I want to encourage you actually. God is real and the gospel is real. And carry the gospel whatever that uh, looks like and whatever that takes form. Thank you. Uh, at our previous service, we did a, a rather formal act of enabling uh, Adil and Claire to lay down their uh, role with us as mission partners because Adil has now taken up the role of vicar of Old Cairo, Old, old, Cairo, old Windsor <laughs> Parish, uh, no great distance from, from here. So a really interesting and exciting new beginning. Um, we look forward to remaining friends and uh, still seeing something of them and, and perhaps working together in some ways. But this time, this weekend, brings to an end their journey with us as mission partners. And in the previous service, we released them from uh, their covenant of responsibility and accountability to us and of our responsibility to them. Um, that's both a sad thing and it brings one kind of relationship to an end but it's a joyful thing in that we release them and send them forward to uh, uh, a new ministry. Um, in the prayers we'll have shortly, we'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. And thirdly, uh, John O. Simpson, who must be somewhere in this great concourse. Good. Um, Uh, we want to congratulate you on the, the birth of Daniel. Thank you very much. And uh, Lucy and Daniel are safely with uh, friends yeah. in Kent, Kent, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, over, to, over to you. I think, first of all, we're going to see a small, small video. And then uh, over to you. Jordan has offered hospitality and refuge to many Syrians. A country of around 9 million, it has received about 1.2 million Syrian refugees. This has put much strain on the country, socially, economically, and on natural resources. About half of the refugees are based in the camps, and the other half in the cities, mostly in Amman. Our team partners with a local Arab church that is seeking to meet Syrians' needs in and around Amman. We send out teams daily to assess needs and provide material help in the form of blankets, mattresses, heaters, cookers, food packs and hygiene packs. The church offers women's groups, children's groups, trauma counselling and a listening ear to Syrians, all who've been affected dramatically. With the crisis now in its fifth year, the plight of refugees is greater than ever. Hope is ebbing, resource is waning, and with growing sectarianism, it just gets messier. Let's plead to God for his justice to roll like rivers, for soldiers to beat their weapons into tools for peace, and for protection for the orphan, widow, and sojourner. The Lord has promised a harvest. 
People are coming into the kingdom as they discover who Jesus is through Discovery Bible Studies. Pray that as more seeds are scattered, the Lord would make clear who the people of peace are. Pray for individuals, families and communities to be open to the good news about Jesus. Thank you for praying with us. Prayer is the difference. And join us in praying that once again, Jesus would be the talk of Syria and the news about him would spread throughout the Middle East. It's great to be here. Um, lovely to be back. I was, we were, my wife and I, we were here, uh, well, it's just two of us then. Uh, we were here back in September, so some of you may have heard us. Um, so that, that video sort of gives a background, and Andy just said, just share whatever's on your heart. Now, I don't want to repeat myself because we shared quite a bit uh, back in September. But I just wanted to go sort of from the micro to the macro, just some stories that might encourage you. Uh, to pray for our, our friends and uh, to hear what the Lord is doing in our region. Um, as you saw, so we're based in Jordan, in Amman. And uh, one of our colleagues, um, one of our colleagues, uh, he's a physio, he's a trained physio, and he's been working with uh, Syrians, um, with ones who've been wounded physically, doing, um, uh, yeah, doing physio with them. And just to give you one of, the, one of the stories, he's been visiting a family in, in particular and over a few months been uh, doing this physio and uh, when there's been openness, being able to share about Jesus. And um, anyway, one night, uh, this guy was, uh, the father of the family was asleep and someone uh, in uh, bright, shining white appeared to him in a dream um, who I think we probably know who that is, having read uh, Mark's gospel. This guy appears to him in, in bright white, uh, there's light just beaming from him, and, uh, and he touches um, this Syrian, he's a Syrian guy, touches his foot, his ankle, uh, which had been broken for, well, since the war, and, um, and then touches the son in, in the dream, uh, his youngest son. His youngest son uh, is one year, about one years old. Um, they suspect that he's got Down syndrome. Um, touch the son and then turns to this Syrian man in the dream and says, you need to get an Injil. Uh, Injil means the New Testament uh, or the good news. The Injil is the message of Jesus. And so he wakes up, his foot's healed, his, his ankle's completely healed, uh, and he rings up my mate and is like, uh, you've got to come round. My friend goes round, uh, almost swears because six months' worth of natural healing has happened overnight on, on this guy. Everyone's saying the sun is um, visibly different, something's happened, he doesn't look like he's got Down syndrome anymore. And the guy over the phone is saying, I need an injil, which is very dangerous to do in Jordan because you've got secret police listening in. Um, so my friend saying, sort of, can you say something else? Um, but the, geez, the thing with, with all this stuff is, um, with the passage, Jesus is the one who's actually doing the work. The Holy Spirit is. 
and we just get to join in, which is our privilege and pleasure. Um, so Jesus is already doing the work. Jesus is bringing people into his kingdom, and we just get the fun of watching, watching it. Um, on the macro scale, in a country uh, next door to us, um, now, you, you, might, you might be starting to get it from the news, but there's quite a lot, sadly, there's quite a lot of animosity between people groups. So generally, sadly, there's animosity between sort of Arabs, Kurds, Turkmens, uh, not to mention the Persians in Iran. So there's quite a lot of tension, right? And some of our colleagues in this other place, um, over the last seven years, they've seen over a thousand people come to Jesus in this one people group. And then this people group, well, okay, so there's probably about 67 different fellowships meeting from this one people group. Anyway, this people group realized actually that the, the good news about Jesus isn't just for their people group. So they send out people, workers, to go reach out to cross not just one, but two different people groups who are now starting to plant fellowships um, in their region. They're crossing these barriers which have been traditional sources of tension because they've realized the gospel's for everyone. It's really, really exciting. Final story. Um, it's kind of been touched on quite a lot uh, this evening, some of the stories. Um, one of our closest friends, who's actually teaching us Arabic, um, Syrian guy from a Muslim background. He came to faith in Jesus through our team leader in Jordan. Um, actually, one of the photos was of him. But uh, he came to follow Jesus, realized that Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, uh, the Savior of the world. Starts following him, and his wife gets, she's Iraqi background, she's Muslim background as well. She manages to get refugee status in America. He doesn't because he's Syrian and it's all messy. Anyway, so he's serving at the church that we're with and um, obviously sharing a bit too boldly about Jesus during Ramadan when they're going out and visits, giving away thousands of food parcels. And so he gets called in by the secret police. From his name, they figure out he's a Muslim background guy. As a result, sort of gets spat at. Um, I was like, I'm not going to get emotional about this. Okay. Um, gets spat at, gets called a donkey, which you can imagine in a sort of Middle Eastern background. Biggest insult ever. Held in a cell for three nights. Syrian guy. He's got no rights. Because he's Syrian. It's not a Jordanian. Sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional. Anyway, gets frog marked to the airport. Told to get on the next plane. The only place you can go is Turkey. So that's where he is right now. Sorry, I don't mean to get emotional. Anyway, point is, our Muslim brothers and sisters who find out about Jesus, there's a real cost. I just, Jesus, oh, this is embarrassing. I just want to encourage you, pray for them love them and support them that's me and i'm an emotional wreck sorry <laughs> great thanks that's that's me done
So I guess the best thing we can do is pray for them, hey? Um, what I want to do, actually, is, is not to direct your prayers too much. Um, you've heard from these people who are serving our Lord Jesus, um, who are prepared to risk it for him. Um, and I just thought we'd take about a minute just to pray for each one of them. So I just want to introduce them and remind you of what they've asked us to pray for and then give you space to pray. <clears throat> so we began with Roxy and Eddie, who reminded us about um, family and home and who asked us to pray about resource writing and being family. So Father, we pray for them now. In the name of Jesus. Then we had Claire and Ardell, um, whose children are Emma and Andrew. And I think what we want to do is praise God for all the wonderful things that are behind them, for the work that they've done, for God's incredible provision of safety for them, um, and for the people who've come to know Jesus through them, for Cairo, for Egypt. And we want to pray for what is ahead. So in the name of Jesus, we lift up our prayers about these wonderful people. And then Jono and Lucy with baby Daniel. Pray for them based in Jordan for their partnership with this local Syrian church, for the practical work that they are involved in, for the refugees that they're ministering among, for more of that extraordinary work of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill them? We pray for them now.
And then we pray for ourselves that God would open doors in our lives, that he would bring into our lives these people of peace that Jono talked about, that, that there would be opportunities for us to partner in this by, um, by speaking the gospel to people who don't know Jesus yet. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we commit ourselves to you and we ask that you would stir in each one of us people and places, ideas and ways that we might be part of, of this exciting thing of um, watching you move and celebrating on the sidelines, doing our little part. So we pray and commit ourselves to joining in this exciting and wonderful thing that is the building of the kingdom of God, the proclaiming of the name of Jesus and responding to the call of the Spirit. Amen. <coughs> A few just very brief final comments as our service draws to an end. In a moment, we'll have the blessing and the, uh, and the band will lead us in a, in a final song. I think uh, what we've heard this evening just uh, highlights for us why we are involved in this way with, the, with God's people around the world, why we have mission partners, as we call them. We need to make available to the church around the world the people amongst us who are gifted, whom God is calling, and who can enrich and resource God's mission wherever the need may be. But we also need them. We also need to hear from them uh, in ways which just illuminate our own calling and task here. This evening we've had reflections about being a, a Christian family. <laughs> Uh, the big family as we talk about it in ways which enable those who are crossing enormous frontiers in order to follow Christ uh, but being the kind of welcoming community that really makes that possible. Uh, we've heard of courage and faith. Um, we've heard of uh, the, uh, what it takes for people to, to actually leave one worldview and one social setting uh, and travel to faith in Christ. Um, we've seen faith, we've seen courage, we've seen a willingness to take risks, and we need to hear exactly the kind of things we've heard this evening, and we need to um, weave them into our own church life and our own witness. This evening has been an enormously resourcing and enriching uh, experience for us as we seek also to, to be effective in the sharing of the gospel in our, in our world. And in conclusion, I'd just like to, to say this really. God is a God who calls. It really is what he does uh, for us and to us. He calls us to faith in Christ in the first place. That's what he does. 
not only does he call us to faith in Christ, but he calls us into the harvest, as we read in, in Matthew's gospel. And he calls us to be co-workers with each other and with him for the kingdom and for the sake of uh, people who are harassed and lonely uh, like sheep without a shepherd. He calls us to do it with compassion. And he calls us to do it as his disciples. We all have the calling to, to be that and to do that in our everyday lives, however, however they, they, uh, they, they may lie, in, in our homes and with our families and in our communities and the places we study uh, with our colleagues in our workplaces. Every day is a calling to follow Christ. Every day is a, is a calling to, in word, and, in word and deed, to live the gospel with other people. As well as that, God does call out individual people to significant ministries that involve crossing frontiers, crossing uh, out of their own comfort zones, um, moving into places and ministries that they would never have conceived of for themselves. And uh, the three couples we've heard from this evening, all in different ways, give testimony to that. I'd like to say to you this evening that if God has been stirring up your soul over recent months and weeks or even tonight um, and you cannot quite escape from a sense that he is calling you into something new and fresh. Do not suppress it. Do not crush it down. Do not extinguish it. But come and talk about it. What we love to do at St. Savers is to nurture and to nourish the call of God on people's lives. We love to share with them in their journey of faith and courage and discipleship uh, and in that way to discover whole new ways in which they can live for God in a needy world. So come and talk to me, come and talk to Joe, come and talk to uh, Mike Norris, come and talk to whoever you have confidence to, to, come, and, to come and speak to. Uh, we would love to share with you uh, what God is doing in your life and the ways in which he is calling you. So, in conclusion, I'd like to uh, invoke God's blessing on us all um, as we uh, leave this place for a night of rest and to enter into our daily work tomorrow. Go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Go forth into the world in peace. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honour everyone, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with you, with all those you love, this night and always. Amen.